0: Hello, everyone. Dr. Stillman here with Jim Laird. This morning, we are going to talk about why most people fail when they bite off more than they can chew and why the reality is that consistency trumps intensity every single time. As Jim pointed out to me when I mentioned this topic to him, he said, look, consistency allows for intensity later. And most people put the intensity cart before the consistency horse, so to speak. And that's part of why they fail. The inspirational quote of the day is, if at first the idea is not absurd, then there is no hope for it. Albert Einstein said that. And the reason I think this is so important is that we see people getting distracted by ideas that seem absurd to them based upon how they've been conditioned by the modern world. And they disregard these ideas as fringe, uh, ridiculous, absurd. But the reality is that sometimes these ideas are key to their ultimate success and to the kind of results that they uh, really, really wish they could get. And they'll spend a lot of time and a lot of money on ideas that don't seem absurd to them, but in the proper context and perspective are, in fact, absurd. Einstein was talking about the quantum world, which is a very weird world. If you haven't read books like uh, Life on the Edge by Jim, J- Jim Al-Khalili and John Joe McFadden, I strongly recommend them. They're great, great um uh, explorations into the strangeness of life at the quantum level. Um, but enough for me, Jim, let's talk about consistency. Let's talk about intensity.
1: Well, <clears throat> we, we live in this really sedentary world, right? Where we've become experts, you know, fit, like, like basically we become really, really good at being seated athletes, right? I stole that from somebody else that I uh, listened to a clip on Instagram this morning. I, and I can't remember who it was, but um, so, so what happens is, is, is when we talk about exercise wise, um, training becomes more about surviving than actually adapting. Right. And, and really it goes towards everything we do. Right. That's about adaptation and, if you're giving the organism too much stress, it becomes more about survival than more about actually having a positive adaptation. Because you can have a negative adaptation as well, right? It's kind of like Mr. Miyagi teaching Danielson to wax on, wax off the car. It's not very exciting. And he's like, why the hell am I doing this? And then he goes to punch him and he blocks, he blocks the punch because it's instinctive. It's the
0: same thing with, uh, with exercise. Well, let's, can we pause for a minute? Because you said mm-hmm. something there that's really important for people to understand. You said that, um, uh, what was it that you said? You said basically that people, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm forgetting exactly what you said, but you basically mm-hmm. said that people don't understand that something that's really boring is actually fundamental and the right. importance of it until they've done it a lot of times. Right. Right. And that's really important for people to understand because because and, you know, where we've seen this over and over again is we'll have people who build up to an intensity in their exercise and their diet and their lifestyle, but they don't have consistent fundamentals and it actually sets them up for failure.
1: Yeah, they they don't have a foundation to put the intensity on. Right. Um, and, And that's where, you know, like children develop through play right? And one of the reasons why kids are having such a hard time today is they don't ride their bikes for hours. They don't play outside for hours. They don't climb trees. They don't jump off fences. They don't, you know, these are all things that prepare the child for more advanced athletic endeavors down the road. The problem is is these kids are getting thrown into like, I've watched like eight-year-old soccer practices that look like college soccer practice. And that level of intensity. And that level of, of complexity, they're just not ready for it. So they end up using strategies that end up breaking them, right? And it, it's the same thing with anything else. And that's why we recommend um, so much for people to start with simple things like, like walking, right? We, uh, we don't want people to jump into... Like, I, for example, I was working at a certain fitness establishment about 10 years ago. And they had a guy come in who had taken a break. Um, he hadn't been to class in months. And the workout was doing walking lunges around the building. And this is a huge building. And so they did a multiple sessions around this this building. And, you know, there's the attitude of this, this uh, facility was you know, more, you know, no pain, no gain. You got to push through. Well, the guy ended up having to go to the hospital with, with rapid analysis. So, you know, it's, it, it's, I could like people, people kind of confused. Like if you look at Navy SEALs, the, the BUDS is not about increasing fitness or improving performance. It's about seeing who's going to break. And a lot of the people in the fitness industry have that attitude of we need to see if you're going to break and they think that's going to make you more resilient over the long run but it's not it's going to break a lot of people because i can i can tell you if somebody's tough or resilient very quickly by doing a few simple things to people but there's a big difference between development and testing and most people when it comes to fitness they do too much testing and not
0: enough resulting. Right. And we see the same thing with all aspects of wellness, right? And it's not so much testing because testing is about your performance on a certain, in a certain metric, in a certain uh, test situation. Um, and people probably don't think about uh, their wellness in this way. But for example, people will hit the sauna sometimes too intensely. They'll buy the sauna, they'll get the sauna, they'll read all about the sauna, they'll go sauna for an hour a day for weeks on end without realizing what a stress this is on their mineral system and their mineral balance. And They may eliminate a lot of toxic heavy metals that they needed to get rid of, but they may demineralize their body in a way that impairs their function. That's why we'll see people who are mineral depleted start doing something like taking zinc or taking copper or taking potassium sodium Or balancing ratios of these minerals in their bodies and seeing enormous bursts of energy improvements in their mood improvements in their function as a result and people don't even think about sauna as being something that has an intensity to it but it does the frequency number of times per week the amount of time you spend in the sauna the heat of the sauna whether or not the sauna is is infrared if it's traditional sauna if it includes red light or other spectrums of light These are all important. The sun is another another really important stress that we talk about all the time that people don't understand as a stress because sometimes they hear us say sun exposure, the more sun you get, the lower your risk of death. That's true. But we'll also see people who have to build up to the intensity of light that is available in their environment, particularly in certain seasons. And because they have to build up to that, they have to be aware that when your body is telling you no, you have to listen to it. When your body is saying you are pushing me to the breaking point, you have to listen to it. It's trying to protect you. And there's a time and a place for putting everything you have into something, but too many people think that every day they should be pushing their personal best when the reality is that is a strategy that creates burnout. And we take care of people who are burned out all the time. And they are often very proud of and very, um, nostalgic about their past achievements, but they have to put themselves in a situation where they recover from their burnout and they're able to recuperate their vitality so that they can go on to do something meaningful. So many people who peak too early in life because they, they, you know, got into patterns of high, high intensity whether they're an athlete or a soldier or a salesperson or any kind of high performer who can get paid well to have a high intensity in their training, their lifestyle, those people will wind up. And I, you know, I I use those examples, but it could just as easily be a mom, you know, the super mom who, you know, she's on the school board and she goes to all the PTA meetings and she's got six kids instead of two and a half. And she's got, you know, a husband, she takes great care of him. And so she only gets four hours of sleep a night whoever you are and whatever you're doing, that's burning you out. You have to really get realistic about the fact that as you get older, you have to change the tempo of your exercise and the intensity of your life because otherwise you're going to burn out. And if you burn out, you have to just accept that you have to have a season to restore that vitality and that energy. And it is not something that you can do overnight. And it also isn't something that you can do while being anywhere close to the same tempo and intensity that you were at before. And that's something that is not, it's not said in a lot of the mainstream fitness performance, personal development space. It's all intensity, 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 new PR, more progressive overload, uh, more minutes, you know, more sets, more reps, more plates, and we see that burning people out and then they fail to recover from that. And they come to us saying, look, I've been to everyone. I've seen everybody, I've done everything. I've done all the boot camps. I've done all the training courses. I've done all the things. Why am I still broken and tired? And we say, you need to look at your fundamentals. You need to think about why you're failing. And we analyze the case. And we always find really big problems with the fundamentals as being the things that are actually holding them back. Is that not right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of it is too, is people don't understand when you're especially when you're a beginner it doesn't take that much for you to adapt right and so they want to use a sledgehammer to kill a fly when all they need is a fly swatter. You right know, that, that happens a lot in our society. And then um it's even worse now because the set like you know 50 years ago you know Louis Simmons talked about this who's a the guy that they just passed here in the last year Um, he was the founder and ran Westside Barbell. He said, you know, 50 years ago, take the average guy off the street who worked construction, he deadlifted 400 pounds the first time he ever deadlifted, right? You take the average guy today off the street and (laughs) it's not going to end that well. (laughs) You'll be lucky if they deadlift 135 off the floor. right? So their lives, our our lives were preparing us um, for the different stresses in life because our lives are active. But now... Our lives are inactive, and most of the solutions to fix that inactivity are based on intensity and not on meeting people where they're at. Uh, Soccer players are are a really good example of this. I've, I've worked with a ton of kids from the age of 10 to 14. They have so much structured practice, and everything is coached, and there's a big difference between when you're being coached in how your body responds to kids that are playing at their own level. So when you have kids that are constantly being coached, they usually end up with a much higher resting heart rate. And so we would see these kids coming in and I'd take their resting heart rate and we'd see resting heart rates, 90, 100, 110, and a 12-year-old kid.
0: Markedly abnormal.
1: Sure. And it's because they're always – On, They're always playing hard. They haven't got enough easy play. So we would basically, and the parents are like, they need more conditioning. They need more conditioning. I'm like, no, actually not. They need more easy conditioning. They need more work capacity so they can handle the intensity because the aerobic base is the foundation of handling glycolytic work or Metcon or whatever you want to call it. So we would do really easy body weight circuits, which would absolutely destroy them at first. But we do stuff on the floor. We do prowler pushes light. We do carries, just manual labor. And you would see these kids heart rates come down over the weeks. And it was nothing fancy. It was it was not that exciting. And the parents would be like, they have so much energy. I don't understand what's going on. And I'm like, well, I just gave them a base so they could have the base to actually apply intensity. And so a lot of people in those situations that come to MMA fighters, they'll be like, Oh, the guy gassed out. Well, that means he didn't condition enough. Well, no, maybe that's not because he's not recovered enough. Fatigue hides fitness. And people Hmm. don't understand
0: that. That's a really interesting concept. Can you expand on that?
1: Fatigue hides fitness. Yeah. Well, you know, unless you're Dennis Rodman or Michael Jordan, most people, if they go out on an all night bender are not going to perform very well. Right? There's always exceptions, and you never, ever, 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 ever... Not even your, once? Not even once. Base your performance, what you do, on an exception. Mm. Because you're, you're, you're 99.9% of the time, you're going to end up breaking. So when you're tired, like uh, this will happen all the time. Guys will be in a really heavy cycle. They'll be four weeks out from a meet.
0: Okay, so, hang on. You have to explain... Okay, guys
1: will be training. Guys will be training for a powerlifting competition. Right? There we go. Say, they, say they've been training for like I don't know, twelve weeks. They'll be like six weeks in, and all of a sudden, a deadlift that was really easy for them, they fail, right? And this has happened time and time again. I've seen people that couldn't, you know, pull. They think they're say their max deadlifts in the six hundreds and all of a sudden they're having problems getting 500 off the floor, okay? A lot of times those guys will freak out and then they'll start deadlifting even more. But this happened to a friend of mine. He called me, he was like, I'm three, I'm three weeks out from my meet. I couldn't get my opener. And I was like, well, what's your training look like? Well, he's like, I've been going really hard and heavy. i have got some work stress. So we would basically, I told him, said, look, let's bring your intensity down let's focus on moving the bar quickly for the next three weeks. And, uh, three weeks later, he couldn't get 500 off the floor. He ended up pulling almost 700 at the meet. How about that? Like a 50, you know, almost a 35 pound PR or something for him. Right. Because we actually backed off. We let his nervous system recover. We worked on technique. We worked on speed. We did more accessory work. And this happens, this happens a lot. And, uh, People don't understand that, you know, when you your your actual level of your performance can change minute to minute, in either direction. It's almost like a you can go 10 to 15 percent in any either direction at any time, right? You know, based on what's going on in your life. So that's why when I work with people, I go I'll have kind of generally a guide of numbers, but I generally go on how it looks. Like, is it fast? Is it efficient? Does it look clean and crisp? You know, I don't like doing a lot of grinding sets. So a lot of people will grind themselves and then they'll they'll fail and then they'll be like, well, I need to do more work. And a lot of times it's like, no, you need more rest. You need to be a little more smart.
0: And a lot of people don't realize how this applies to all aspects of their their life and their wellness. Like I was talking about, um, you know, for example, with nutrition, people will try to out supplement a bad diet, and it's very, you know, it's 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 said frequently amongst nutrition professionals that you can't out supplement a bad diet. That's why we lead with diet with all of our people. We want them to be eating real, wholesome, healthy food because we've seen countless people tell us about their supplement protocol and their stacks and their, you know, different types of, you know, extreme nutritional interventions. And then we look at what they're actually eating and fundamental, uh, dietary choices for them are not actually there. And that's really important for them to understand. And, you know, the thing about consistency with this, that makes it so important is that so many people will jump onto the wagon And they'll start doing one or two things right, three or four things, five things. They're really having a big overhaul of their life. But they don't stick with it because the amount of change is overwhelming. Right. And so they have to incrementally, they're way better off integrating and incorporating one or two or three or four habits over a month Mm -hmm. than trying to do it all in a week.
1: Yeah. And that's why we start generally with two. And the two we start with are walking outside three times a day and eating a protein at every meal. And And it's remarkable
0: how many Uh, people do not follow through on that, despite how simple and clear it is. And the reason that we don't push people into more habits beyond that is that the failure rate of people who don't do those two basic things is incredibly high. We do not see them make the results and the improvements that they want. And we're very clear with them about this because we've had people come to us time and again saying, I don't know why I don't feel better. I don't know why I'm not getting results. I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. I'm putting in all this work. And Jim's immediate response will be, are you taking three walks a day? Are you eating a protein at every meal? And then we have to dig into what this means, right? And this is where you know, the fundamentals are not as simple as just do this, 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 and this, and you'll be healthy. It's not just diet and exercise. It has to be a little bit more sophisticated than that because as I mentioned on our Instagram live yesterday, and for those of you who don't know, we're doing Instagram lives at one o'clock every Wednesday. We talked about protein yesterday in the Instagram live, and it's up on Jim's page if you're interested. And what we, you know, one of the key things is that people don't understand what protein is. They think they know and they don't know. They think an eight ounce serving of yogurt is a lot of protein. Well, an eight ounce serving of yogurt, if it's the sugary, sugar loaded not fully fermented full fat option, then it might have four or five grams of protein. And if it's the fully fermented, very dense um, fat-free yogurt, you might have 15 grams of protein per serving. That's a threefold difference. If you do that, or, or if you extrapolate that math for all of your protein consumption, you could have a difference in your daily protein intake of anywhere from 50 to 150 grams. Now, 50 grams is inadequate. We see it failing people over and 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 over again. And 150 is adequate for the vast majority of people. It's, it's more than most women with a small frame, small stature need. It's more even than a lot of men you know, who are, are uh, you know, over 150 pounds need to meet their goals. But you know that's the key is understanding that this, this plays a role or this is true of, of all these different protein sources. You know, fat, for example, can vary from 75% of calories from, uh, or sorry, protein or animal meat, I should say, can vary from 75% of the calories from fat to 25 or, or 25% of the calories from fat. That that's the difference between a lean protein and a very fatty protein. There's even you know more extreme in fish and shellfish. So a very fatty cut of tuna might have the same fat to protein ratio as a nice cut of steak, which is a very high fat ratio. It's part of why people love tuna and swordfish. But if you take and compare that to a slice of cod or pollock or a lean white fish, that lean white fish might have 5 or 10% of the calories from fat. Completely different foods. It's a very subtle difference. And that, I mean, personally, I believe as fish consumption in the United States has fallen, overall health and fitness has really declined. I think that's for multiple reasons. It's the lack of iodine from the seafood. It's the lack of protein from the seafood. They've switched over to more higher fat. Uh, land animals that are also fattened artificially with, you know, grains that are f- practically speaking very toxic and they're not eating grass the way that they're supposed to. And they're not getting light and they're not healthy animals in general. And then there's micronutrients in the seafood like selenium. There's more selenium in generally speaking in, in fish and shellfish than there are in, in land animals. And that's why, you know, a couple of days ago, I think we on one of our lives or maybe it was last week. Now uh, we talked about why we see people improving their health so much with fish and shellfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, as part of their dietary template,
1: yeah, and combine that with an indoor lifestyle, and you have a recipe for where we're currently at, you know well,
0: you mean combine a low protein diet with a high fat proportion uh with an indoor lifestyle yeah it's a it's a metabolic disaster
1: absolutely and and here's the thing about doing simple things, like walking outside three times a day and eating a protein at every meal improves everything else that you need Either it's gonna improve mm. your sleep, it's gonna improve your mood it's going to make you less prone to drinking alcohol and binge eating. So all these things play on each other. I have an example, you know, I'll work with a lot of kids, getting them ready for like, you know, college combines or I've worked with guys getting ready for an NFL combine. And a lot of them would be doing really, really fancy drills, but I'll have them do some simple things like jumping jacks or hopping on one foot. And we'll discover that this athlete can't hop on their left foot very well. They can't absorb the force on their left foot. So, we'll do some things to make them more efficient. We'll add some low level hopping and bounding to give them more elasticity so they can apply more force. And all of a sudden, they get faster at the top end. We didn't do any top end work, but because we filled in that little gap they were missing, as opposed to adding more intensity. And I love, I love intensity. It's just it doesn't need to be new, used as often as most people think it does, right? And, of course, intensity, as your fitness level improves, the definition of intensity changes for each person, right? If you have somebody who's been rolling in jiu-jitsu several hours a day for, for 10 years, they're going to be able to handle a lot more jiu-jitsu than somebody that just started,
0: right? Right. So Lisa asked a great question based on a comment that I just made. I thought we should consume higher fat dairy. Is that not the case? So you have to really think about, first of all, what do you need to get from the dairy? Uh, Vitamin A is one of the most important things for us to get from dairy. Protein is very important for us to get from dairy, particularly sulfur-based amino acids that help uh, not only to uh, generate protein within our bodies, you need methionine in order to kick off all protein translation. Uh, But we also need protein from uh, animal products because of the peptides like uh, for example, glycine and proline for collagen. We need uh, cysteine and other uh, sulfur-based amino acids for our detoxification and methylation pathways. Uh, but you have to be asking the question, are you getting one of these nutrients from somewhere else? So for example, somebody who's eating a uh, high fat dairy as their primary strategy to get vitamin A, yes, it's very important to eat that high fat dairy. But if you're eating a wide range of foods that contain vitamin A, then getting the hot, the the dairy fat may not be as important for you. For example, if you are eating low fat yogurt, but you're using ghee in order to cook all of your meals and you consume all of the ghee that you cook, you're going to be getting a lot of vitamin A from that ghee. The same thing is true of lean, or I shouldn't say lean, but fatty oily fish. So sardines and other oily fish that are not so small like salmon, they have a higher proportion of vitamin A uh, than a lot of other foods. So fatty fish can be part of your strategy to meet your vitamin A needs. And so this is why, you know, when people work with us, one of the things we like to see them do is go through the app chronometer to actually look and see exactly what they're eating. My most recent podcast with Ben Greenfield that I encourage everyone to go listen to, uh, there was a lot of really important information in that podcast for you. In that podcast, we, we, we talked about chronometer and I didn't know that he was using it as well for his people when he's coaching them because we, what I found with it, and this came entirely out of my own experience. I thought I knew a lot about nutrition. I thought I understood what kind of diet I was eating. That was not the case. I started to look at my data in chronometer and I realized that I had absolutely no idea that I wasn't eating a high protein diet. I was eating a much higher fat template than I thought. And I had several holes in my micronutrient consumption that I wasn't aware of. And the more I compared chronometer data from people to their labs organic acid testing blood minerals hair tissue mineral analysis the more i did this the more i realized that there were a lot of correlations between the chronometer data and that lab data and you know when i'm going over this data with a patient even if i don't have their lab data i can tell them what they're likely deficient in and how they can shift their consumption by just one two you know three cups of vegetables beans protein Uh, per week in order to try and shore up their nutrition for their health and longevity. So I know I no longer think about what should we eat in terms of we should eat high fat dairy, we should eat meat, we should eat fish. I think of it in terms of we need to find out what you're eating and see what your dietary composition really is. If we're going to come up with a rational improvement on what you're already eating, Uh, both in terms of micronutrient uh, uh, ratios, density, but also in terms of your uh, macronutrients and your macro ratios which are critically important for your success
1: and a lot of this comes down to individual needs and needs right so if i have an athlete who's a weight class athlete say like a wrestler or um somebody in that you know we can't put on weight and we're trying to manage their calorie load and we want to add protein to their diet but we don't want to add a bunch of extra calories with the fat we might put them on a on a goat whey isolate right um, you know, generally skim milk is garbage because it's just protein and water, uh, and sugar, essentially. Um, they've taken all the fat out and there's a lot of nutrition in that fat. But if I got a high school kid who doesn't have a lot of money, who just needs a little bit of glucose sp- spike and some protein after his workout, skim milk is a really great, uh, you know, post-workout drink for a high school kid, right? right so a lot of
0: it depends on who we're talking about right right context matters we talk about that a lot and that's why we have that's why when jim and i work with people you know we've really shied away from doing what a lot of other people are doing which is just creating online courses the vast majority of online courses never get completed people don't follow through on them they even if they watch them and they gather the information they find it hard to integrate that information into their life and when Jim and I have courses, we create courses that not only give you the information that we find most critical and the strategies that we think people need uh, to implement in order to succeed, um, what we do is we incorporate group coach- coaching into that. The group coaching allows us to help you understand what this means in your context. And you know, I use this example a lot. Because we we get this a lot, you know, people who are living in high northern latitudes, Minnesota, Alaska, Maine, Washington, they have very different questions and very different solutions to their light environment problems than people who lived closer to the equator, Florida, Texas, Central America, South America. So these are the kinds of things that end up making, um, you know, our coaching programs unique. And if you want to find out more about those, you can go to StillmanWellness.com. Uh, you can click the link in my bio. Check out our weight loss webinar. It's coming up on Saturday. We know it's Memorial Day. And so if you can't make it, I encourage you to register for the webinar anyway because there's going to be some uh, replays going out. Uh, and the, um, the opportunities you're going to have for our weight loss coaching program are going to be extended into, I think, Wednesday of this coming week. And we don't want you to miss them.
1: And to access the webinar, you're actually going to be clicking on the five biggest mistakes we see people make in weight loss. Right. And that'll that that take you to into- video, and then you'll be able to go to
0: the webinar from there. Right. the whole the whole marketing thing you know yeah, so. it's good stuff they great yeah. they're very important mistakes we see them make, made a lot so Jim thanks for jumping on with me today everyone welcome, thank you man. for uh, listening. Always post your pleasure. comments and questions uh, in the uh, comments section. Don't forget to like share subscribe we hope you'll send this to somebody who needs to hear it. take care everyone have a great day.